Hey, can you hear me? Yes. You feel good? Okay. Okay. Hey, so hello and welcome everyone to the third episode of the Well Project's A Girl Like Me Live. This is a new interactive live streaming series advancing health and wellness discussions and education among women living with and vulnerable to HIV. So every two weeks, I, Cece, will sit down with different co-hosts to chat about key topics in our community. In today's episode, I will talk with Gina Brown, which I'm so excited about, about COVID-19 vaccination. Um, oh, so we're just going to start with intros and we're going to get into this because we only got an hour and I think this could go on forever. Yes. <laughs> so I want you to first introduce yourself and any affiliations that you may have with you know, other organizations. Yes. So good afternoon. Um, I'm Gina Brown. I use she, her pronouns. I'm the community engagement manager at the Southern AIDS Coalition, and I am the chair of the Well Projects CAB, and I also serve um, at, well, attend the uh, Well Projects WRI meeting, the Women's Research Initiative on HIV AIDS. Um, I'm a member of PWN. I'm a member of uh, on the board of the Black AIDS Institute. So I'm, I do some things. <laughs> you do do some things. <laughs> and that's why we're so happy to have you here. I just love the, the relationship that you have with the Well Project and your transparency and all of that. I was just reading through your blog again this morning. I'll get those links out to everyone. But um, the one where you took us on your journey with this COVID-19 vaccination. And I remember the first time that I read that, that blog, it was like, wow, you know, this black lady with locks over here, you know, she, <laughs> she done went out and did it. And it was like in a time that it was still very, I was very skeptical and it was like, yo, okay, well she could do it. Maybe I could consider it, you know, um, can you walk us through what that was like you and you did a lot of paralleling um there with you know HIV and those clinical trials and all of that. Can you yes. talk about that? So um last year when COVID when we first started hearing about coronavirus, I knew nothing about it. And I was one of the people who said um when they started saying warp speed last summer, I was like, I'm not taking that. I am not doing it. I don't care who say what I am not doing it. Um I didn't understand the science behind it. I didn't understand that that developing a vaccine doesn't happen overnight, that this is something they've been working on, right? But more than that, I started thinking about, all right, they have this vaccine. I know I don't want to get COVID. I, I know that for a fact. This vaccine is out here. What should I do? Then I was like, well, I don't know what's in a vaccine. And then I thought about, I was on the study, the 076 study, to see if a woman took a certain medication, if it could keep her baby from contracting HIV. I didn't know it was in that medicine, but I did it because I wanted to give my daughter a chance, you know? So um, I struggled with it and I had three people on, not on Facebook, I'm sorry, on Twitter that um, that I truly trust. One, Two of them I know personally, and one is the twin sister of one of the personal people I know. And they would always put stuff up about COVID and I would just pay attention and read their stuff. And then I started asking questions. You know, that's where it began for me, asking those questions, um, being able to not feel like I was stupid for asking them, you know. Um, and it was it was really, really uh, enlightening, the answers I was getting, because I was thinking like, well, they black too. <laughs> They're black like me. They're going to be like, girl, don't do it. <laughs> That's what I, you know, you kind of want people to go in the direction you're kind of going in. Um, and it wasn't like that at all. It was not like that at all. My biggest concern with the vaccine was I'm a woman that's menopausal. And I wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to get worse. It's bad enough. I don't need any more. And those were my questions. Mm -hmm. And were they able to answer those questions so like early on? Like so yeah. so women going through menopause had already been included in the like trial studies? Yes. So they thought about us. And and another thing that I found out because I was thinking like 
all right, I'm living with HIV. Um, how do I know how the vaccine gonna interact with my HIV medicine, right? Because we know we're always thinking about that. Um, and I asked the question and they said, wait a minute, you don't think people living with HIV was part of the study? And I was like, well, why ain't nobody said it? <laughs> you know, I thought like, I know me, I will be telling y'all, hey, I'm a part of this research study to see if this vaccine work, you know, if, if I grow um, an extra arm out my body, y'all know why, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I'll make a joke about it, but it would be real. Um, and then I found out I know someone who lives in New York, who's a part of the um, research study and he's living with HIV and he's open about being a part of the research study. So that made me feel a little more comfortable. And then, um, when I realized, because I've always known this, even though it doesn't, it's not something we talk about often, but I know about an IRB, right? That review board that looks at all of the research and it's a lot better now since I would say the, the 90s. I think the 90s was the last time we had anything researchy that kind of went bad. Um, but um, ever since those IRBs, People who, like me, can sit at that table and look at that IRB and say, hey, this is not making sense, or this makes sense, or can we do it this way? People, have, Lay people have input in that process. So I felt a little more comfortable with that. And then I thought about my grandson. You know, he had been at home a whole year. He'd missed a year of being with his friends. He was at that age where... Um, he was nine when the, when the quarantine started, May 10 in August. And he was at that age where little boys learn their identity from other little boys, right? So they hang out with their friends and they start talking a certain way and moving a certain way. And I wanted him to experience that. And I knew that I had to give him a chance, you know. Oh, just the fact that you're bringing up, you know, the kids. I have felt so bad, you know, for my own son throughout this entire time. He's 10 and we have tried, you know, different ways because, you know, I'm typically very um, able to, you know, go with the flow and how things are going. I thought that I was really good at working in chaotic environments until it came to things that I was used to having so much structuring, which was something like school. Yeah. Like ever since I was young, you get up every morning, Monday through Friday, you go to school, you look forward to the weekend, stuff like that. And all of a sudden, like all of it shut down. And at first I felt like, Yes, we can use a break. I can do this from home and whatever. No, I was so hard. I was like, Whoa, this is hard. And you, I'm supposed to be your teacher. Like, I'm really good as a parent, but parenting and teaching and caretaking and all of that simultaneously was so hard. And, you know, looking for a way out of that. Um, seemed like the vaccine brought with it some hope, but then I didn't think of the hesitancy that would have come, you know, with that. And I'm leaving this pandemic, you know, with a pandemic baby, and now I'm pregnant, you know, and it's like, whoa, done added another layer onto, you know, all, all of what already is going on. You're already, you know, kind of some of us, you know, kind of a little worried about everything while you're pregnant. And then now, <laughs> whoa, a vaccine. And I have to go into these hospitals where they've said at some point we're breeding grounds, you know, for this virus and all of that. Like, it's so much going on. Yeah. So how were you able to compartmentalize and realize that, you know, you needed a way out and that COVID vaccine was it? I read some of it in your blog again this morning, but you mentioned something about hugging. Oh my goodness. So in this HIV work, I have two biological children, but I have 25 community children. So I have 27 kids. Um, I had 28, I have 27 kids. And when I see them, I hug on them. I love on them. You know, um, when I see y'all, you know, I love hugs. I feel like hugs give me more T-cells. <laughs> and I tell people that. 
I tell people that I'm like, you know, hugs give me more T cells. So I need another hug because I'm that person that that loves warmth. You know, I I love to connect with people in that in that way, and COVID took that. You know, I don't never have to shake another hand because I don't like shaking hands anyway. You know, because I don't know if men always wash their hands when they come from the bathroom. <laughs> I don't want to shake your hand, but I want a hug. You know, I want a hug from my community. I want a hug from my family. I hadn't seen my mom in a year. You know, and it was important that I see her. She's, you know, getting up in age. And I was like, you know, what if something happened to her while, while this is going on? So I was terrified of that. Um, but I did. I missed hugging. I still miss hugging. You know, I miss that that feeling of feeling somebody's heartbeat on my heartbeat. I miss that. Pressing so many buttons over here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the way you just worded that, like feeling somebody else's heartbeat, like, whoa. And I started, you know, my mental health really struggled a lot through this. And it still is, you know, feeling some remnants of it. But I'm a very personable person, too. Like, I don't want to go around, you know, just touching everybody. But being afraid of even being close to people, that was something that really messed with me. I'm a person, I like to go out and listen to music. And, you know, it just happens to be an environment of a bar or, a you know, club maybe sometimes, but just that whole environment and not being able to have access to that was driving me a little crazy at some point, you know, worried if the person reaching over at me at the store, yeah. like, <laughs> talk about it. like I might've been able to let it slide a little bit more, you know, back in the day that's what yes, yeah. day. but today like why is you so close to me yeah. <laughs> get away and i'm not typically that type of person but um even if <laughs> you know they don't have their mask on in the store i am to assume that they have been vaccinated against this virus but i don't trust people like that i just mm -hmm. feel <laughs> I feel like people will say anything to get out of a situation that they don't really want to be in. So that too is very scary to me, you know, seeing signs that are suggesting or recommending that masks be worn, but people not actually wearing them or not wearing them and not being vaccinated. Like, I, I just want people to see my belly and know that I'm going to continue to protect me and mine, what I got going on going into some places and I'm the only one with a mask on, it makes you look silly, or I felt silly sometimes. Not that anyone had to say anything to me, but it just feels like, well, everybody else doesn't have one on, shouldn't I just take mine off? No, absolutely not. I'm in the game of protecting myself these days. That's right. That's I didn't right. do that so much with HIV, but I've definitely learned that anything can happen to any one of us, and I believe them. Yeah. yeah. I live in the um, so in Louisiana, we don't have counties, we have parishes. And I live in a parish that has one of the lowest rates of um, vaccinated people. Um, but I also live in a parish that has one of the highest rates of Trump supporters. So it goes hand in hand sometimes when, when the person tells you don't believe something, you tend to not believe it, right? The person you, you trust or believe in. So um, when I go in the store, I don't care. What I think, and sometimes I have a hot flash with the mask on. I'll be like, Lord, I want to just snatch it off, you know, but I can't because I often think I may be uncomfortable. I may look silly, but I can breathe. I can breathe. So you're still wearing your mask, even though you I wear a mask. In, yes, I do. When I go to Walmart or the grocery store, I wear a mask. If I go to the gas station, I wear a mask because I'm vaccinated, but there's there are different variants out there, right? That we don't even know about. We don't know enough about this to say it's over. You know, there's something called the Delta variant that they say is really, you know, makes people sick. And it's really like, you know, um, oh, Joe, I'm hugging you too. Um, and we we don't know. We don't know. And I'm not taking any chances. 
And it's like, all right, how long? And, and I even asked my doctor, I was like, all right, how long is this um, vaccine going to last in my body? Because, you know, you take a flu shot every year. So am I going to have to do this again next year? That's <laughs> a good question. Here, you know. What was the response to that from your provider? And she said, I don't know. And at that point, I think the from, from the trial to my vaccine was like six months. And she was like, that's all we know. They only knew the data up until that point. So I guess they have more data now, but we don't know. But I, I will wear a mask. Yes, I'm going to be just like the people in Hong Kong. Ten years from now, y'all going to look up and say, wait a minute. Wait a minute, she still got mask on. That's right. It just seems to be like part of the things that I'm ordering on Amazon now because I really like the disposable ones. Yeah. So, you know, wear it, throw it away. It just seems to be just part of the routine now. Just go yeah. ahead and make sure I always have them, have them in my car, in my pocketbook, you know, just accessible because we going to wear these masks. Um, <laughs> Heather just, she wrote a comment that says she saw a sign outside of a local church that read, Jesus is stronger than COVID. Yeah. So I definitely, you know, for those that, you know, had that spiritual walk, I, I understand it. But then I feel like on the other side, too, that we also have to, you know, still protect ourselves, you know. Yeah make wise decisions, you know, even though, you know, we're, we're all right right now because this literally could happen to anyone. My grandfather was 80 years old. He passed away on May 28th. Now I didn't kept him and I, I can't take full responsibility, but I feel like I was doing a lot in my power to protect him from everything, not mm -hmm. making him go to the doc, no, the grocery store. And when they would bring him into the doctor or suggest that he have an appointment, I'm like, look, why can't we just make this a virtual appointment? Why are we unnecessarily making, you know, this vulnerable population come out? to the clinic and all of this. So I did a lot of work there. I felt like he was the safest while he was in his bedroom. Mm -hmm. We were He was fine, but he ended up having a stroke and the stroke is what ended up in the, ended him up in the hospital. He went in and five days later, they called to let us know that he had tested positive for COVID. And that was my biggest fear was like, oh, my gosh, I don't want him to go in here and that be the last time that we see him. But that definitely, you know, was it. That was the last time that we were able to see him alive, um, because once you go in there sick and I don't want to end up in that situation, you are there by yourself. Like they're not letting no visitors up there. Um, we did get lucky and got a nurse that would allow us to see him on FaceTime. But just picturing having to die alone, it put me, I wasn't around, you know, during this time where I wasn't cognizant enough. But, you know, when I would see people with the hazmat suits on in those old pictures of people dying from complications of AIDS and like how scared people were to go around and to touch them and to hug them and all of that. And it kind of put me back in a same mind today. And it's like, no, that, that's wrong. And to think if he would have gotten a vaccination, you know, would that have made a difference in his life? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Right. right. Um, Tammy, she says that she started enjoying the virtual appointments. I love going to the doctor virtually. Like it saves my time so much. <laughs> and I can do it from everywhere. And now they're like kind of trying to force us back into well, my therapy. They're trying to make us come back into the office. And I kind of like, you know, doing it from home. Were you going into the doctor during this whole thing? I did. My doctor, um, as a matter of fact, my doctor retired in April. But she was one of the oldest doctors there. So she had office hours in, in um, the clinic and nobody else would be there. So, um, and she only had a handful of client, um, patients she was still seeing. So I was one of the ones that was able to come in and just talk to her, you know. Um, and I remember when she told me she was retiring, she's been my doctor forever. And she said, um, I want you to know I'm retiring. And of course I had my mask on and my eyes filled with water and I wanted to hug her. <laughs> I wanted to hug her so bad. 
there. And I couldn't, you know, and um, and she looked at me and she said, I want to hug you too. Like she read my mind and I was like, oh, oh that's so sad. Yeah. yeah. This thing is crazy. You know, I broke up with my girlfriend um, during COVID. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Very COVID. Because like you were saying about the depression and stuff, I found myself, I got really clingy. I was like, and I'm not a clingy person in a relationship. That's not me, you know? Um, and it was bringing me places I didn't want to be. And I was like, all right, I got to break up with her <laughs> before I lose my mind, you know? But we're, we're best friends. We're best friends, you know? Um, and I think it was really good for both of us okay. to to walk some of this journey by ourselves, this COVID journey by ourselves. You know, um, it taught us a lot. I think about who we are as people, and we talk about that a lot. Um, and I know for me, it was so funny. I um, I never liked to go anywhere before COVID. Girl, I want to go everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> We went on a paddle boat. We went and played putt putt golf. <laughs> I mean, just I just want to go. I don't want to be inside now. You know, I understand that this has been like my breakout year. I feel like like I'm taking and you know being more creative with the way that I'm getting out of this house. But I will not be in this house. Like I was made to be inside this house, you yeah. know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm one of those ones too where I wouldn't do too much, but now the fact that you know the nail shops couldn't even go get my nails done, so I had to yeah. learn how to do my nails over this whole thing. Or you know, Walmart. I can't wait for Walmart to open back up 24 hours. Like there's none. Everything has like an early closing sign. <laughs> oh my gosh. And just how many things were affected by this yeah. virus yeah. Um, <laughs> to the point where they you Google something and it says that it's open and now you get there and it's closed. Like, yeah. wow, this really is affecting yeah. everything. Yeah. So I'm so grateful, so grateful that you know, that the vaccine is available so we can kind of try to take steps back to, I don't think it'll ever be back normal, but steps yeah. closer to what we knew is that. Um, yeah, and we have a new normal. I think we have a new normal. And I think um, it's going to impact our children, this new normal. In a way that, you know, that because when we were kids, we were allowed to be kids. I can remember being a child. I'm, I'm a lot older than you. Oh, no, your grandmother, probably. But anyway, <laughs> I remember being a kid in the 70s and uh, we would have that candy jewelry on. And your friend would say, can I have a piece? And you'd be all sweaty and it'd be sticking to you. <laughs> peel it off and let them bite it. You know, or let them bite the bracelet or whatever. And we were kids. Now we're teaching our children, you know, wash your hands mm -hmm. after everything. Not just using the bathroom, but after everything. If you go outside and you don't touch anything, when you come inside, you still need to wash your hands. Yeah. Here, put this, this sanitizer in your book bag. <laughs> For those two days that you go to school. No, that's real. <laughs> wash, you know, clean your hands. And it's just like, it's, I think it's taking something from our children that, that we won't ever be able to give them back. You know, Absolutely. and that's the sad part. I even, <laughs> Zion, it was a little, a couple months ago, but we were outside. So I felt like it was okay for him to take his mask off. We weren't around anybody, but this boy would not go anywhere. Like he would not leave from me because he didn't have that mask on. And I'm like, no, it's okay. He just would not go. And I'm like, dad, like he's really, this has really been embedded in his brain, which I'm grateful for, you know, that he knew the severity of the situation, but it's okay, baby. You can relax a little bit. Like, right. You can fall back. 
um, Portia has said a bunch of things. So I'm going to bring up the girlfriend, Gina. What? Sure, yes, yes. I thought you knew. <laughs> you must have missed that blog. <laughs> <laughs> and she also she referred to a um, an oral vaccine that the Lakers owners are going to drop. That's supposed to last 10 years. Have you heard anything about that? No, I haven't. I saw um, Portia's uh, comment. I said, I'm going to look that up as soon as this is over. <laughs> I'm going to get my 10 year vaccine. <laughs> I think we're going to need something because eventually I feel like they're going to make it necessary for us to do a lot of different things. Like you're going to be required to be vaccinated to do, to travel. And I've, you know, with the tickets being so cheap last year, I realized that I really do like getting on airplanes and stuff. So <laughs> um, I think that that would be something that would definitely heavily sway my opinion on whether or not I'm going to get this thing done. Um, let's see. I wanted to see. Bose has said something really interesting. In Nigeria, they don't believe it's real, and most people don't wear face masks. There was a day I went to town, and I was working towards a group of guys to ask for directions, and they just started making fun of me for wearing my face mask. Most of the time I go out, I find I'm the only one wearing my face mask. Yep, I kind of feel like that's where I am too, Bose, especially like, you know, the hood, I... There's no other way to refer mm -hmm. to it because that's what it is. Yeah. But I'll go to like the corner store and every you know, corner store is already, you know, this big yeah. and people are packed on top of each other and nobody has a mask on. And I don't want to walk around, you know, no, like I'm scared of, I'm scared mm -hmm. of everybody. It makes more sense to me now that we wear masks because you don't know what anybody else what germs they have like that's right you don't know it makes sense like we should have been doing this but now since covid has kind of made that a thought that's in the front of my mind i want to keep my germs to myself you keep yours to yourself right. and it's cool it's no offense i don't think i'm better than i don't no look i'm just protecting myself yeah good Gracious. Um, another comment I just saw come up. Anywhere we go, or I know I probably pronounced it wrong. Sorry. Automatically reminds me to put on my mask. And Zephyr met me for the first time. Oh, when I was wearing a mask. So you know that's Heather's new baby. Yeah. Wow. So I can't imagine that vision. You know, the baby he only sees you or his he was introduced with a mask on. It's such a different picture for those babies. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I wonder what birth is going to be like, too. Like, I know that a lot has changed, and I had my first baby 10 years ago. So now this time around, like, who all is going to be allowed in the room? Because I was able to have my mom, my dad, my sister. They were all in the room with me. Now I know that or I feel like I'm only going to be able to have one person because of COVID. Good. Mm -hmm. Gracious. Um, another so, comment. Giotti um, had asked me, um, had put up a, uh, a comment. I saw it was asking, was I emotionally detached? Because I said I got clingy. I'm not emotionally detached. I'm just, I think, and I hate to say this because it's going to sound so sexist, but I think like a man, even though I'm a woman. So I'm not that, let's cuddle. <laughs> I'm not that let's cuddle in the bed kind of person. I'm that look. Go over there. Get on your side. <laughs> I'm not a talker. Um, I'm a talker, but I'm not a. I don't. I don't need to know your whole day, and I don't need to tell you my day. You know that kind of person. So when when she started talking, I was sometimes like check out. I guess she knew that too. <laughs> so it was different during COVID. Like I said, I became clingy. But yes, Joe, that's what it, I'm not emotionally detached. I'm just not um, as invested emotionally. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can definitely understand that. Yes. Yes. I was speaking to my therapist about, you know, the feelings of loneliness during this time. 
And she had to remind me that that's kind of like a general thing for almost everyone during this time yeah. is that like, you know, that separation from everybody and what we may have known, you know, um, and I was like, oh, wow. And it kind of does make me feel better to know that I'm not the only one going through. Right. right. But if we were to fully depend on social media to, you know, paint the picture of what other people's lives were, it seems like people aren't addressing these emotions and these feelings so much. It's, it's kind of disheartening because I'm over here sad and depressed. Seems like everybody else is just, you know, living these grand old lives. Yeah. And I have to remind myself that, you know, social media is not a true reflection of what's going on all the time. It's, you know, when COVID started, I had three cats. <laughs> three? <laughs> now I have 10. <laughs> you got 10 cats. Where you get all cats from, Gina? So I am the cat lady. I collect cats in the neighborhood. I feed all of the cats. So all my money goes towards buying cat food. For real. <laughs> this this elderly gentleman at uh, Walmart, when I check out, he always says, God is going to bless you because you take care of the cats. <laughs> I, I, I buy so much cat food. But yes, that... That was, yes, 10 cats. 10, yes, 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 yes. Well, and I don't know what to do now. I want to get rid of them, you know. I won't kill them or nothing, but I just want them to go. <laughs> and nobody will leave. <laughs> no, they with you. They yeah. with you. But yeah. I noticed, you know, just having that living life around you can be so helpful. It helped me. I got a dog a puppy, which ended up being like another child that I had no idea that they were that much work. Look, I had, I got all the pets and stuff because I didn't have another child. It was just me and Zion. So I said he needed these things. Now I done got the other child. And so now I'm stuck with the other child and the pets, but it's okay. We're going to figure this out. We are going to get this together. I done started growing plants and stuff inside the house. Apparently I can do that. Um, we got the turtles and one cat, okay? I can't do 10. I can't, I can't imagine 10. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, there are a lot of um, comments coming up that I know that we missed because I'm still stuck on three to 10. Where did you find out the seven, Gina? <laughs> do they be outside? Yeah, they live outside. Okay. But they know where to come for food and for some shelter. That's and, and what time to come. <laughs> they, they know what time to come. <laughs> yep. oh, they man. start arriving like in the afternoon, like at three o'clock. They start showing up because they don't eat until five. So I have them on a the schedule. They eat at five in the afternoon. And then I, I feed them at about five, six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but I think they eat at other houses too. They're not loyal to me. I'm loyal to them, but they're not loyal to me. I see them at other people's houses too. Yes. Yes. Kate's cheating on you. Yes. I loved um I just saw someone they wrote a comment about um their 24-year-old is about to get vaccinated and she has a 14-year-old that wants to snatch this mask off as soon as possible. I get it. I get it. I get it. I felt myself in the store the other day, like, oh my God, I'm not having a hot flash, but it just felt like real claustrophobic or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, oh my breathe. God, I can't breathe. I can't move. Yeah. Like, this thing got to come off. Yeah. And then I look at the person next to me and they got it down to where their nose is out. So I'm like, why, why, why is it even on there? I get it. I get it, but it definitely has become a part of life. And, you know, when we were having that conversation the other day, seeing for so many people that the vaccine did bring some, you know, hope and relief. But for other people, it hasn't necessarily been the same case. You know, getting the vaccine has not relaxed some people's emotions or feelings of, you know, being scared to come out or mm -hmm. go outside and engage with others. And my hope, you know, for them would be, you know, that 
one day we're able to move past it because I feel like we we're going on like our second year of lost life life and we're not going to get this time back. It's definitely going to be something to talk about in the future. Yeah. But <laughs> Krista says she'll be rolling her eyes at you. <laughs> and I'd be like, give me six feet. Stay over there. Stay over there. <laughs> Sorry. The ages of them kids was four and 14, not 14. Oh, Krista's talking about because of my cats, all the cat food and stuff. You be getting a big bag or something? Oh, yeah. I get the, um, the 25 and the 30 pound bag of, of food. And then they like wet too. So I put like dry and then I put a couple of spoons. Yes, I use a spoon. A couple of spoons of wet and I mix it up because they love that. And then I put treats on top. <laughs> and I take it out on a plate like a platter. And I serve my cats. Yes, I do. They get treated real good. Goodness yeah. gracious. My cat yeah. would love to be there. <laughs> <laughs> but this you know, people, there are people who are afraid of the vaccine. And I think, especially like in some of our communities, I'm from the hood too. And I know that a lot of people feel like, um, first of all, there was so much misinformation in the beginning, you know, and, and like I had to tell my son, stop getting your news from the shade room. <laughs> just, just let's stop there. Let, that's going to be the first place we're going to stop. But how many people in the hood actually listen to CNN or MSNBC? We know that there are some, but if you're hanging on the corner or if you in the corner store, if you doing whatever we do in the hood, you're normally going to be having a conversation with somebody. So that's where we get our news and our information from. It's word of mouth. And if somebody is spreading the wrong information, Donald Trump did it for almost a whole year. And people um, lashed on to those lies and that misinformation, you know, and poor Dr. Fauci, I saw a few times, he looked like he wanted to just pass out. <laughs> um, I was like, poor Dr. Fauci, you know, but it was so much misinformation. So now we're wondering why are people hesitant? People are not hesitant because they, they, they want to get COVID. They're hesitant because they don't understand. And until we have somebody trusted that's really telling us, you know, um, not about let's hurry up and get everybody vaccinated so we can get everybody back to work. Not that is let's get vaccinated for those who choose to so that we can protect our neighbors and our friends so that we can protect our children. But that's not the message we're getting. You know, another thing, too, and I, I thought about this early on in, in the epidemic. I told somebody this and they looked at me like I was crazy. Um, but I was like, you know, we have a, the perfect opportunity to um, to look at, at, at uh, the economy. We have a perfect opportunity to say the government can do this. The government could have taken care of everybody for at least a year so that this thing could have gotten better. But they didn't want to do that. So they still have people going to Walmart. They still have people going to work at the grocery store or going to the meatpacking places and the chicken farms and stuff. And people were dying. You know, people were dying. And it was all it was misinformation then and it's misinformation now. And I think the the what I tell people, because I didn't write my blog to convince anybody to get vaccinated. I wrote my blog so that people could see my journey to me getting vaccinated. You know, and if you are on any part of that journey, then you know that there's more to that that journey than just where you're at. You can keep going. You can either say, you know what, I've talked to these people and I'm going to get vaccinated or I talk to these people and I'm not going to do it. But the most important thing is having a conversation and making an informed decision. You know, um, people ask me all the time because of prep. They said if they would have prep in 94, would you have taken it? And I look at them and I say, well, they had condoms in 94. I didn't use them. <laughs> so can we can we talk about that? <laughs> it's true. Oh, that's so true. You know, we have to meet people where they are, but we have to give people the tools so that they can make those decisions. You know, it can't be that that um that I want you to get vaccinated because I need you back at work. Let's talk about you getting vaccinated because I want you to be healthy. I want the people around you healthy, you know. And if, even if you tell me, you know, I don't think that that that's going to impact my health, then I'll be like, okay, it's your decision to make. 
But think about it like this, especially people who are, are um, on the fence. This is for the people who are on the fence about the vaccine. When we have children, we take them to the doctor, right? And they give them vac vaccines. And we sit there and, and it hurt us because our baby is crying. But we know that that vaccine is for their good. It's going to help them. You know, that, that, that we, we know that measles can kill children. So we don't want our baby to get the measles or mumps or chicken pox or rubella or polio or any of the things that children used to get. So we, we get the vaccine for that, right? That's how I look at, at the COVID vaccine the same way, you know, like immunization. It is immunizing me against a virus that if I get it, it could kill me. You know, I've been living with HIV 27 years and I've been undetectable since 2003. But none of us know what HIV does to the inside of our body. You know, we might look good, feel good and all of that. But what is really going on with my organs? So I don't need anything else coming on top of that and, and doing the funky chicken or the mashed potato on my heart. You know, I don't need anything that, that's going to impact my lungs. So that was why I made my decision, you know. But um, I would just say people should, should talk to somebody they really, really trust. Find somebody who, who's, whose voice you really value and have a conversation with them. Well, that's great advice. That's great advice. I, um, so you can't get your news from the shade room? That's what you said? Girl, don't get your news from the shade room. Don't do it. Don't do it. Shade room had me thinking I was going to have a hot girl summer. It ain't happened yet. So, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> That is so funny because, you know, in this new age of, or I don't even know if it's a new age anymore. We've been here for a while, but in this age of social media, it's so easy to just read a, a, a headline, you know, and make a decision just off of the headline and not really research further or to, you know, just go with whatever they're giving you, which on so many occasions, like you could see like the bad side effects at the beginning yeah. that they were displaying and not really, you know, like the success rate. I don't even know if we had the information at the time, but you could see, you know, it was validating anything that I might've had negatively already going on in my mind. Like, oh, I don't want my face to be messed up, you know, like this person's face because they decided to get the vaccine or something like that. But to mm -hmm. have another perspective come, still doing well. And it's a few other, you know, folks that I know they have yeah. taken it. So it's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe. Yeah. And then just getting over the hump of, you know, considering whether or not it would happen, then now there are, I have options of which vaccines I can take. Like, yep. and, you know, just getting out there and talking to other people, um, seeing, you know, how this one reacted with them and how this one reacted with you. Like, it definitely is a journey to get there and I see why you you know took us on your experience because it is a journey. I had to convince myself that okay maybe maybe I won't die you know if I take this joint. <laughs> maybe <laughs> Gina didn't get three arms. You know maybe <laughs> no. I'll have two arms after this too. Mm -hmm. And it definitely is a journey. And to see some of my family members who I would have thought would have never gotten vaccinated that they went out and they made a decision on their own. Say, okay, yes. I can, I can see this. I do like informed decisions. I feel like that, you know, even when it comes to my HIV. And, you know, we have to, rem we have to go back to the way we were before we were six years old. The first five years of our life, what was the one word we, we said more than anything? Why? Little children always want to know why. We have to say why. Why? What is my what is my hesitation? Why am I hesitating? What is it that I need to know to make me feel better? Um, and just asking questions of ourselves that we can ask of other people. You know, um, I don't think it's gonna be like for me. It wasn't a the light came on and I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. It was a process. It was a process. But I think about, and, and I thought about this too when I was getting, as I was working through that process, right? So 
I'm what's considered a leader in the HIV community. And I can't talk about wellness and health if I'm not really about wellness and health, you know? So I thought of all of those things. I thought that maybe I can, maybe, maybe people will see me doing something and, and they'll just immediately or, or eventually think that, you know what? Like you just said, Gina didn't get three arms, you know? It was the shit. You don't want to know what the shade room is. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's just that none but shade is gossip. Um, yeah. It's big in the urban community. Yes. <laughs> it's not a reliable source of information, especially at all. The at all. <laughs> all right. Yep. Okay. I was seeing the comment of, you know, we shouldn't be forced into doing something that we don't want to do. I'll stand on that firmly. And I think that was something that kind of relaxed me along the way was to see. I did hear this on the news one day. I can't tell you which one it was, but <laughs> to get that herd immunity, like not everybody had to be vaccinated. So I was like, okay, I can be one of those ones that's not vaccinated if y'all go ahead and do it. But then I thought of, I forget what effect they call it, but you know, like when you see an accident on the road and everyone just assumes that the next person is going to be the one to call the police. So then the police never get called. I was like, dang, well, this is another decision to make because if I'm expecting, you know, for someone else to play their part so that I don't have to play mine, mm -hmm. then it could not work out, you know, and how I'm thinking it's going to work out. So it definitely, um, it's definitely been in the forefront of my mind. I've heard, and I'm not sure how true it is, but that studies would be coming out in the fall time concerning women that are pregnant and that are interested in the virus, I mean, in the vaccine, because that has something has been something I'm really concerned about. Like, wow. it would be one thing if it were just my life that I were worried about at this time. But, you know, I got this baby in here. And we already got other things that are going on. And I don't want to. I'm just ready for it to be over all of it. OK, yeah, a healthy pregnancy, this virus. All of it. <laughs> I just wanted to end already. Yes. I saw Bridget asked, how how do we feel about um, healthcare workers who refuse to get vac vaccinated? And I think that, um, once again, it's, a, it's, it's an individual personal thing, right? But at the same time, we know that, that you can't work in a hospital unless you get that TB skin test. You know, um, we you can't work in a hospital. Um, it unless you have, I think you, you have to have the uh, hepatitis B vaccine, you know, so it's certain things you have to do already to work there. So I think that if that was some a hospital requirement, then, you know, but once again, I think that everything has to be done individually. I know people who are not getting a vaccine because they're, they're religion, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, they're not getting a vaccine, you know, um, I'm like, okay, because it's not, it's about us educating people on the issue. The issue is not so much the vaccine, the issue is the virus. And the virus becomes an issue because, especially for black and brown communities, we live so tightly together, you know? So we should start looking at, at some of this, how COVID was, was, is a virus, right? And it was a health condition, but environmentally, that's what allowed COVID to take over and do what it did in our communities because of how we live. You know, think about um, people in rural areas, it wasn't as prevalent in the beginning because they're so far apart, you know? If your neighbor five, five miles is better than six feet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if your neighbor is way down the road somewhere, then y'all coming in contact with each other kind of goes down. But in big cities and places where, think about New York, where everybody live on top of each other, not just black and brown people, but everybody live on top of each other and how COVID did in that city. You know, um, I think now it's the perfect time for us to think about the way we, we, we construct neighborhoods, the way that we, we um, build community. We have to look at all of that and we have to look at 
if if our government is not honest with us about something that could kill us, you know, then who do we have? And I think that's a lot of people's hesitation because of the lies that were told because it wasn't. I can remember my friend was teasing me about this the other day. The last time I traveled was March 11. I came from Atlanta, came home. I was on the phone with her in the airport. And this woman walked up with a mask on. And I said, oh, that sister got a mask on. I said, I guess she's sick. They said, you don't need a mask unless you're sick. And she's like, girl, you better wear a mask. I said, I'm not wearing a mask unless I'm sick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I went home that day. And the next day, they started saying, wear a mask. And I was like, I was just in the airport. What if I have it already? <laughs> Can I smell? I'm smelling stuff. I'm tasting stuff. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I can I can laugh about some of this journey, but for the most part, it's been really painful. I thought about when we got to the um half a million people who lost their lives. And I thought about neighborhoods and I thought about cities and I said, the city I live in right now, the parish, doesn't have 500,000 people. So that's this whole parish, everybody dead, everybody gone. I was like, wow, that would be devastating. And it wasn't as devastating as I thought it would be in this country. You know, we talked about it for a minute and then we kind of just went on about our way. Yeah. I remember watching the news because I was very heavy watching it at the beginning because I felt like that was the only place I could turn to. And to watch those trucks in New York, you know, filled with dead bodies. It's yeah. like, yo, this is something I don't want this. So I felt like, you know, even being the only one in my family living with HIV, was your land, the one that was going out to the store still, getting everything that everybody needed. Yeah. I'll be the one to go out there, you know, and make sure that we have the things that we need, because I don't need my elderly and disabled population of folks that I'm, you know, responsible for to be getting sick and how scary that was. And, you know, being a person that doesn't come from very much money, at that time, Uber and Lyft were offering such great bonuses because so many people weren't driving. So mm -hmm. I thought that is an opportunity to go out and start making money. And I'm like, whoa, I'm really willing to risk my life right now because of my financial situation to go out here and to be, you know, going to restaurants to pick up people food and going to all these unknowns. But I'll wash my hands and I'll put my mask on. And that's exactly what I did. But like if I were born into a different, you know, social economic environment, would that have been any different? Would I have just taken my savings and decided to stay home, you know, because I had that luxury to do so? It would. I don't, it's been so much that has been worth the light during this pandemic. It's, it's crazy. Somebody I wanna, I wanna, I wanna want us to answer Portia's question. Okay. You see it? George. The last one. Mm -hmm. All right, Portia, and I understand big pharma and and the trauma because I think. Anyone living with HIV, we've all been traumatized by Big Pharma, right? But I still take their medicine. I still take the medicine. You know, even when I'm cussing them out, I'm throwing a pill in my mouth. You know, um, so we can be traumatized by, by Big Pharma, but we also have to be realistic about who we are and what we, where we want to go, right? So I want to live long enough for that day when they say, here's that shot, it's all over. You know, um, and I know Big Pharma is going to be the one that's going to come up with that. I'll just say, as I've been saying, talk to somebody you trust about the vaccine. Don't not do it because of, and I'll say their names, Gilead, Merck, Vive, or Janssen. Don't not do it because of them. If you're not gonna do it, do it because of you, but because you've had all of the, all the tools you need to make that decision. You know, um, I think about one of our sisters who some of y'all may not have known, Ms. Um, Dolores Dockery, 
who passed away because of COVID, you know. Um, and it, it was just so real to me when she passed away. It just became so real. I was like, wow, I, you know, I stayed at this chick house. I, I know her, you know, that kind of thing. So, so I would just say, Portia, just talk to somebody, talk to somebody. And if you, and even if you decide that at the end, you still not going to do it. That's fine. That's a decision you're making. But I was just say, talk to them, but don't not do it because of big pharma. Don't let them win. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like, I take this HIV medicine every day so I could be undetectable. So I can't really say I don't trust science. I've had this conversation with my own self. So I hear you too, Portia. Like, yes, I hear you. Someone had asked about um, conferences. So we know like USCHA is coming up and everything. How do you feel about attending those spaces? Will you be there? I've already registered. I got my hotel and my flight. Yes, I will be there. Um, I will be there and I will still, it won't be any hugging. I'll give air hugs, but I'll be able to see people. Um, if they bring a vaccination card, then I might hug them. Because <laughs> I will have mine, you know, if anybody want to see it, um, that kind of thing. But I'm excited about us being able to be back in space together. I don't know if y'all if y'all feel the way I do, but I get strength from y'all. I get strength from y'all. I love USCHA. Well, it was USCA the last time we went. But um, when I leave there, I'm so full and I know I can keep going. And when I come there, I'm so depleted and I just need y'all, you know, so that's gonna feel really, really good. Um, I don't know if I'm doing Positively Living Conference. Um, that's in what August. It's kind of like right <laughs> next week sometime. <laughs> I feel like um, I don't know, but if I do, I'm gonna drive to Florida. Um, yeah. I couldn't imagine seeing you in person and not being able to hug. That I know. feels like it would kind of be like that doctor's experience you had. Like, oh my god, <laughs> I want, I want I'm to hug you. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, and I'm driving. I do feel like that is a safer alternative than, you know, yeah. getting on the airplane. Because the airplanes, you know, they make you keep your mask on, but you still so cramped up and no windows are open and just, whoa, this is a lot going on mentally. Um, I won't be attending USCHA because of the baby. We know. Be, <laughs> no, I'm so sad about this. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm very grateful, you know, that I've been chosen for this experience. But I really, really missed everybody. 2000, 2020 was a difficult year. Just watching those dates pass by and conferences having to be canceled and all of that. Like, I need that. And I need that for my advocacy Yes. Work once yeah. such a fire in me that I'm ready to go back to the community and share this information. And <laughs> finding my way this last year has been quite a navigation, I'll say. Yes. Let's see. <laughs> Heather says she's bringing her card so that she can get a hug. Okay. Don't <laughs> <laughs> say she heard off. <laughs> <laughs> what a flying kiss, but not, but this, this air hug is taking out. <laughs> um, someone asks, "What is USCHA?" So that's the U.S. Conference on HIV and AIDS. It's yeah. awesome. It's an awesome, awesome conference. Um, yeah. And hopefully, more like a family reunion than a conference. Because yes. we all get together and we haven't seen each other in a while, and it's just like loving on each other and hearing about what the person's been up to is so, oh, I just miss it. I miss it. Well, y'all tell me how it is, or hopefully they make like a virtual component of it so that I can be there in spirit and stuff. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm so sorry. But we are definitely, we reached our hour. I didn't, <laughs> doesn't seem like it's been an hour. I told you it could go forever. Um, if nobody else has anything else to say or anything that will conclude our episode and 
Thank you all for joining us for this third episode of The Well Projects, A Girl Like Me Live. Please join us again in two weeks as we discuss, I believe our next episode is You Equals You, and it'll be with Katie Willingham. Um, We look forward to seeing you then. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you, Cece. Thank you, Well Project. Thank you, sisters. (laughs) And if any brothers out there, thank y'all too. (laughs) 